a new video means a new sermon series, right? Um, so good morning, friends. Um, if we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Jeff Hadachek. Um, I'm not normally up here on a Sunday morning, um, but I've been a part of the Discovery community for um, about five years now. I'm a member of the teaching team, um, and I get to fill in this morning uh, as we continue this series in, in Mark. Um, but before we read uh, the passage and hop in, uh, I want to set the scene a little bit, provide a little bit of context. Um, if you were not able uh, to join one of our neighborhood communities last week, we did not actually meet here in the theater like we normally do. Um, they were doing some construction outside, and, and so we took that as an opportunity to gather in our neighborhood community groups. Um, we enjoyed a lot of breakfast. There were a lot of great pictures of, of the chefs in our community. Um, and I know it was an inconvenient thing to do, but to me, honestly, it was just a really cool expression of uh, gathering together on a Sunday morning um, as a community. So. Um, I know we are, it's, it's good to be back in the theater, but uh, from time to time, I think it's cool to experience uh, gathering in that way. And so, uh, as Antonio introduced to us last week, um, we are starting a, a longer series in the Gospel of Mark. Um, we'll go through the next, next few months, but um, as we started last week, Antonio introduced us to this moment in Mark chapter 1 where uh, Jesus is baptized. And then the heavens open up and God the Father speaks to Jesus and, and tells him that he is loved and that he delights in his presence before he does anything else. And then we're told that Jesus is sent off into the wilderness um, to be tempted for 40 days. And, and Mark, really different from the other Gospels, really speeds through the timeline. So there's a lot of gaps and, and transitions that, um, you know, you don't really know where we are at in a, a certain moment um, or who is with Jesus, but... Um, we know that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. Um, and a few verses later, he calls his first disciples, Peter and Andrew. Uh, he drives out some evil spirits from people. Uh, he heals many people um, who are sick. He goes off into solitude and, and prays by himself. And then leading up to this, he has dinner with, with some tax collectors. And this all happens within a matter of like 10 verses but in reality, it's probably many months worth of, of ministry. But I think it's still important to clarify that this is really just the beginning of, of what Jesus is beginning to do, right? And, and the people that are witnessing Jesus, the people that are with Jesus, um, are really still asking themselves, like, who is this man? Uh, you know, people from the disciples, the Pharisees, the people that are receiving these miracles, um, these are the beginning stories of, of who Jesus is and who Jesus is defining himself to these people. And there's a diversity of responses to these things that are happening, right? There, there's awe and amazement by some, but then to others, there, there's questioning and confusion. Um, but ultimately, these stories are significant, and they're the ones that Jesus is just defining his ministry. He's beginning his ministry. And so, like I said, after speeding through what is many months worth of, of Jesus' ministry in like 10 verses— Mark slows down and zooms in on this conversation that we're going to have this morning. So picking up in Mark chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came to Jesus and asked, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. 
and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Then, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples were walking along, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Would you pray with me? Um, Father, we we thank you for um, the opportunity to gather, the opportunity to um, look at this glimpse of of your life and your ministry. And um, Father, I pray that as we bring many different things into this place this morning, that um, you just just meet us here, that you um, allow us to put off the distractions that we bring in, Father, and um, just experience your presence this morning. Um, Yeah, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So, all right, I know we just started um, the spring quarter here at UC Davis, and and I don't want to bring up any negative emotions or uh, too many nervous reactions, but I do want to talk about finals week for a second. So finals week for me was always uh, some of the most memorable times of my undergrad experience. And it's it's not because I really enjoy taking tests or that I love pulling all-nighters or anything, but it's because that there's perhaps no better feeling than handing in that last final and just knowing that you are done, right? You've crossed the finish line. In my very last semester in undergrad, I had some flexibility in my schedule, so um, I decided for the fun of it um, to take Spanish 2. But unbeknownst to me at the time, the final for Spanish 2 was at 7.30 a.m. on Friday morning of finals week. So I had to go the entire week of finals week um, to not only reach the finish line of that semester, but to reach the finish line of, of college. So while all of my friends were mostly done, I was still studying. So uh, Thursday night rolls around, and, and uh, Spanish is not my forte. I study economics, and so this was a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Um, and so I was in the library late into the evening studying nervously. Um, and I came back home. I was going to get ready for bed, brush my teeth, change my clothes. And I tried to go into my room, uh, but when I tried to open the door to the room, something was, was blocking the path. So I gave it a few pushes, um, but the door wouldn't budge. And at this point, I sort of assumed that my roommate um, was sleeping in his chair in front of the door. It wouldn't have been the first time that that had happened. So I, I felt, I thought, whatever, I'm not going to wake him up. Um, I'll just wear my street clothes to bed, and uh, you know, I'll wake up early the next morning. He'll probably wake up and realize that he's not sleeping in his bed. So. Uh, I woke up pretty early, like 6 a.m., and, and I was going to study a little bit more before the final, but the door still wouldn't open. So I went and studied. I came back, and this is like 20 minutes before my final at that point, so I just said, decided, you know, I, I can't do this any longer. I'm just going to force my way in and you know, wake him up. And so I, I pushed with, like, all of my effort, and I opened the door just enough to get my head in, and uh, this is what I saw. So um, my friends who, I might add, were done with finals for most of this week, had stacked like 50 chairs in front of the door, which opens inward, and then they had climbed out the second-story window, which is kind of there behind. You can see on the mirror. 
they took a picture to document their evidence. But, um, you know, so at this point, I, I was very upset. I, I said uh, I get nervous about finals, and Spanish especially, and they knew that as well. Um, but my loyal friends who know me uh, decided to mess with me. And uh, so I can laugh about it now, but at the moment, I was, I was pretty nervous. So I tell this story because finals week is this juxtaposition of, of stress and anxiety. But on the other side of it, there is this relaxation and this, this understanding that you are done, right? You've crossed the finish line. And it, it brings about emotions like, like nervousness uh, and, and stress that causes you to pull all-nighters and those kinds of things. But then on the other side of it, there are people who are done who are pulling pranks on their friends, right? And so for me, there's no clear moment where you flip that switch and when you're on, you're studying really hard, you're working really, really hard, but then once that turns off, you know that you know, you're free for at least a few, few weeks until the next semester starts. And, and looking back on this, the span of my life when I've been a student, uh, I recognize that this pattern is pretty formational in how I move throughout seasons. It's this pattern where I ex expect this segmentation of, of time passing. And I don't think this is necessarily isolated to being a student, right? You know, there's, on Friday on Twitter, there, I have friends who retweet um, Daniel Craig announcing the weekend. Um, or, or there's uh, memes like slams laptop shut till Monday. So we, I think we all collectively feel this, um, this relief, right? Once we get into, we know that our work is done for at least a short period of time. And, and ultimately, I think what this leads to us, and there's a voice that tells us that there's an appropriate time to work, and then there's an appropriate time to, to rest. There's an appropriate time to run errands, right? There's appropriate time to take vacation. And so um, I'm, I'm currently still a graduate student here at uh, UC Davis, and I'm about to graduate um, again. And in the fall, I will start um, a job as a uh, professor. And in academia and in some other professions, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to get the applause, no. Uh, but in, in some other professions, there's this thing available called a, a sabbatical. And now a sabbatical is a time, if, you, if you're not aware, is you basically get to take an extended period of time, sometimes up to a year, completely off, right? You're, you're free from some of your obligations, like your normal reoccurring things in your schedule, like meetings, serving on committees, teaching classes. And usually professors go off and live someplace exotic, that someplace of their choosing that they want to live. And you still get paid through all of it. So that sounds pretty great. I don't think there's any of us who would deny that, right, if it was given the opportunity to us. But the thing is, is that you actually still have to work during your sabbatical. And, and you only earn a sabbatical if you've worked hard enough and long enough to get to the point to, to prove that you've earned a sabbatical, right? So it's this pattern of, of work, 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 and then at some point in the future, you know that you can maybe cash in. But even when you're on your sabbatical, you still have to prove that you use the sabbatical effectively enough so that in 10 more years, you can take a sabbatical again, right? So again, it's this appropriate time to, to rest, an appropriate time to work, and, and it creates this transactional process where even free time is not necessarily free, right? You have to, to earn that time off. You have to earn uh, the right to, to rest. And now this segmentation uh, isn't inherently unhealthy. It, it's good to have boundaries between work and rest, right? But what happens 
when we allow every aspect of our lives to reflect this segmentation or this transactionality that happens. Things like our friendships, our well-being, even our religion. Now, I, I think this passage in Mark speaks to that question this morning. And I use this uh, example of sabbaticals at the end because the root word for sabbaticals is to Sabbath, right? But the sabbatical that Jesus is talking, the Sabbath that Jesus is talking about here, and the sabbatical in the academic sense, I, I'll argue, are very disjoint concepts, right? Like I said, you, in an academic sense, you have to earn your sabbatical. There's this transactional process that takes place. There's an appropriate time and a way that it should look. Whereas Jesus talking about Sabbath and, and fasting and, and a lot of the other practices are meant to be relational. So I want to take a moment and acknowledge that um, I think there's a reason that Mark uh, slows down and, and talks about these interactions and these spiritual disciplines in particular, Sabbath and, and fasting. So we here at Discovery, um, once a year, it's our goal to go through all of the practices in, in a calendar year. And so this isn't necessarily an all-inclusive list of um, those practices, but in, in a year, we try to cover the practice of reading scripture of confession, of prayer, of outreach, encouragement, and then Sabbath and, and fasting. And I think it's interesting that these, that the first um, five of those practices are all active practices. You know, there's an active verb associated with, with those practices. There's something you have to do, you know, right? To, to read scripture is, is to read. To confess is, uh, to practice a confession is to confess, right? The practice of prayer is to pray. But Sabbath and, and fasting, on the other hand, are practices of abstaining. It's to not eat, to not work, right? So today I'm not going to focus on the details on you know, how to appropriately um, engage in these practices. We have some resources uh, on our website, and, and we've covered these uh, from time to time. So if you want to dive deeper into those, you can, you can hop into our website. But this morning, I want to focus on what Jesus' heart is behind this interaction, behind his instruction for the Pharisees and the disciples who are, who are engaged with this conversation. And underneath it all, I think I see Jesus' deep desire to be present with us and, and for us to be present with him. He uses this analogy of the bridegroom and says, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. So why does he use this analogy? Well, we unpack the practice of fasting actually not too long ago, just about a month ago um, on a Sunday morning, and... and um, one of the things that we discussed was that people fast to disconnect from the things that get a hold of them or overtake them and to shift their attention on God, right? So uh, my wife and I got married um, in 2021, uh, and so we will forever be a part of the cohort of couples who um, navigated planning their wedding around the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the decisions that we had to make was limiting the in-person attendance at our wedding. So, um, you know, we could not invite as many people as we would have liked to to the in-person ceremony. 
Um, but we wanted to make sure that folks that could be with us in spirit, right, they get to celebrate with us in a virtual setting. So we decided to have um, a live stream of that ceremony. So if you'll indulge me for a second, um, the live stream of our wedding is a bit like um, the disciples of John or the disciples of the Pharisees who were engaging in this fast, right, that's first referenced at the beginning of the passage. But, but how silly would it be if one of our wedding guests was watching both the live stream and attending the, the ceremony in person, right? Uh, when they would be sitting there looking at this pixelated image on their phone um, and listening to the wind blow into the microphone when the actual thing is happening right around them, right? And in fact, it would actually sort of undermine the purpose of, of the ceremony, the purpose of the celebration, that they would be disconnected from the people that, that were around them, right? Um, and it would create a distraction. So even though we created the live stream of our wedding as an intent to connect people that were far away and, and with relationships in mind, in the context of the celebration itself, it can be used as a tool of, of distraction and a tool of disconnect. So that's a silly example. No one actually did that at our wedding, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the thing is, that's kind of Jesus' point here too, right? So he's saying, if you truly knew who I am, you wouldn't be fasting. Even though this practice of fasting can be used for good, it can be used for a deeper relationship with, with God. It can also make, it can also can be made into unhelpful things, right? Like, like things like self-righteousness or used with a certain intent in mind, like to fast with a certain outcome in mind. And so we have historically, both the Pharisees 2,000 years ago, and in different ways, us today have a tendency to make these religious practices transactional. So whether we use them as, as tools of, of self-righteousness or we make them, uh, we do them with a certain focus or, uh, you know, like an agreement in mind, like I'll fast if I get this outcome. When, tr when God's true desire for them is to be relational, and when spiritual practices be become a, a transactional part of our lives, that's something that we just do because it's that day of the week or that um, season of the year, it really undermines the practice in the first place, I'd argue. And one example of this in Scripture, you can, we can look back into Isaiah 58. And um, Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel about, about the practice of their fasting. And verse 2 uh, says, For day after day they seek, out, seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does, not, does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? We have humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed. Okay, so we can, we can notice and we can pick up that Israel, on the surface, is doing everything right. They're checking all the boxes, right? But then Isaiah goes on to say, Yet on this day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for borrowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not the kind of fasting that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the, of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? 
When you see the naked, clothe them, and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. So I think it's, it's so interesting that hundreds of years before Jesus even had this interaction with the disciples, that Isaiah is, is talking to the nation of Israel about this same pattern, right? And, and Isaiah is identifying this danger of the practice of fasting in a way that it's, it's transactional, right? They follow all the right steps, and, but yet they feel see, unseen by God. And look what's happening as a result. result. Their workers are being exploited. Um, they are oppressed. They are fighting amongst each other. Whereas God's vision for fasting breaks the chains of injustice. It feeds the hungry. It clothes the naked. And at its core is relational, right? And not only is fasting for our own relationship with God, but it's for us to care for the relationships with others in our community. Now, returning to the end of, of Mark 2, Jesus puts sort of an explanation point on this conversation by saying, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we fast and we Sabbath for healthy relationships with God, a healthy relationship with, with ourselves and a healthy relationship with other people. And I want to kind of put a bow on this conversation this morning and talk about this analogy of new wine uh, in old wineskins, right? Now, there have been seasons of my life where I've, I felt pulled in a lot of different directions, where I felt like every hour of my week is, is kind of spoken for. And maybe for all intents and purposes, on the surface, it, it looks like I'm, I'm checking all the right, uh, following all the right steps, right? I, I'm, I may be one of those things in my schedule is an hour at church on, on Sunday morning or an, a weekly Bible study or, or even having my regular scheduled quiet times in the morning, right? But it's in those seasons where I, I'm feeling stretched that even after I step out of those spaces, my mind is on something else. My presence is on something else. And for me personally, those seasons, I feel like an old wineskin. Jesus' presence and his goodness is that new wine, but to be frank, it's hard for me to be filled up, right? It's hard for me to receive that new wine. And you know, it may be by definition's purposes that I, I still am a wineskin. I'm still a vessel that needs to be filled up. But for whatever reason, those spaces and, and those, those periods where, that are normally are filling, um, I simply walk away empty and, and exhausted. And I think Jesus is speaking to that in this passage this morning. This new wine is, is Jesus' presence. He's with the disciples in, in body. But I think too often we try to shove the time that we spend with Jesus in a box. Or we make uh, that time bend around our schedules. Or we put parameters and rigidity around it. But that's, that's far from Jesus' spirit behind uh, his instruction behind these practices. So the last thought I want to share this morning is, is sort of a merging of Antonio's message last week and, and looking at Mark 2 this morning. But I, I think our intention in how we approach things like spiritual practices can really shape our identity. Perhaps the Pharisees' transactional approach to Sabbath and fasting comes from a place 
or a voice that tells them, you are what you do. And last week we looked at this passage where God the Father speaks words of encouragement to Jesus before he does anything, before he does any, heals any people, before he has dinner with tax collectors. God reminds him who he is. If we think back to one of Antonio's questions that he asked, he said, what voices are we listening to? Are we listening to a voice that says, you are what you do? Are we working towards a place where we can say with confidence that a relationship reminds us who we are? It reminds us of our identity. A relationship with Jesus that reminds us that we are loved and that God delights in us before we ever do anything, before we fast, before we Sabbath. And I'll invite the band uh, back up now at this point, but as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I really felt some, some things that were good news to me uh, personally, uh, and a few invitations that I think Jesus is making in this passage, and, and so I hope maybe they can uh, be good news for you as well. Uh, first, I believe there's an invitation in this passage to, to take inventory. Take inventory of, of what it is that our body and our spirit are telling us. Do we need to slow down? Do we need food? Are there people around us that could use that same care or just even time and presence? Second, I think there's an invitation uh, to nurture ourselves and nurture others. Once we've taken stock, once we've taken inventory, we can maybe assess the best ways to give ourselves those things that we feel we are lacking. For some of us, myself included, this might seem like a selfish act. But like I said, what happens when you feel stretched and what happens when you ignore your own needs is that you actually end up being an old wineskin, right? We reach a certain point where we're burnt out and where our needs have been ignored and we can no longer be filled up so that we can uh, be good friends, so that we can have um, a growing relationship with Jesus. And Jesus acknowledges this by saying that Sabbath is made for man, not man to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And lastly, I think there's an invitation here to, to just abstain and be present with him. You know, I think this is a pretty radical invitation for us because we're often communicated the message that we need to do more to earn favor, right? It's that voice that's saying, you are what you do. But even to get to the point where we can just rest and enjoy his presence, Jesus is telling us that no, there's nothing that you have to do to earn that time with me. Just abstain and be present. So we end today like we do um, every week. We're going to take communion together. But this morning, um, I think there, there's just an invitation for us. And I think there's a significance in the fact that this meal um, and this practice of, of taking communion is a meal, right? that the most personal and intimate time that Jesus shares with his disciples is gathered around a table, having conversation in remembrance and in sharing uh, bread and juice together. And so as we take communion today, friends, I just want us to reflect and sit with that reality that God, the creator of the universe, desires to be with us and to be present with us. And he created this opportunity to share communion um, with us thousands of years later. Friends, when you're ready, come and take uh, from the stations around um, and let's worship together.